Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hand on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it, birth, to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from the bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his, said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. This reading is all about the Sabbath. If you didn't pick that up, it mentions it four or five times. And it's clear that the leader of the synagogue was not against healing. How could you be against healing? How could you be against people <coughs> excuse me, who are broken becoming whole? And however we understand that healing, whether we understand it as a miraculous event or whether we understand it as uh, her having um, a spirit in the way that, that was talked about in the ancient Middle East in Jesus' time, whether it was a psychological wound, whether it was whatever it was, who could be against it? They're scandalised, the, the leaders of the synagogue, are scandalised because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And Jesus is amazed that they're scandalised and calls them hypocrites. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends, who says one thing and does another, who plays a part, but doesn't really believe it. So why is the Sabbath so important that you would criticise somebody for healing someone on that special day? Well, first of all, we know the Sabbath commemorates the day of rest that the ancient story tells us is the story of God's creation of the earth. But God worked at creation, brought things into being, and then took a rest. Now that, I don't know if you're a Michael Lunig fan, but Michael Lunig's character, Mr. Curley, once wrote to Vasco Pajama and said, Vasco Pajama, what is worth doing and what is worth having? And Vasco Pajama wrote back and said, it is worth doing nothing and it's worth having a rest. That's kind of anathema in our culture. But right at the beginning of this entire story, the ancient story that Jews carried with them forever, is rest. 
The Sabbath represents the completion of the ordering out of the, of the world out of disorder. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And out of that, God brought things into being that were in order. There was night and day, night and day, seasons, order out of chaos. That's what the Sabbath is remembering and celebrating. It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about remembering God's ordering of the world. Every week, the Jews are supposed to remember and celebrate. What better day, according to Jesus, would there be to help somebody reorder their life so that their life was no longer in chaos but was in order? Was the leader of the synagogue so used to the pain of disorder that he was desensitized to this person? who'd been desperately ill for 18 years. And you, you can imagine him saying, well, what's another day matter? It's been 18 years. And you can imagine Jesus saying, why wait another day? There's a kind of a disjunction in their views of what the purpose of the world is. He'd forgotten, I reckon, this synagogue leader, his place in the ordered world. That the world he was in was the world ordered by God. That's what he was supposed to be celebrating on every Sabbath. And we're not much different to this guy. We have disordered our world. You don't need to spend any time reading about the environment, which is now so front and centre to our consciousness, to recognise what we've done to a world where we somehow figured that we were separate from it. We keep thinking that we can throw things away because there's an away to throw them. We keep thinking that there's the, an environment and then there's us, as if we're not all part of the same thing. But the Sabbath took on other meanings over time as well, and one of them was the strong idea that on the Sabbath you should remember freedom. This is what it says in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the law books that the Jews used as, as, their, as their cultural um, markers. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is about liberation. Jesus understands it. He liberates the woman. He doesn't say you are healed. In this story, and he sometimes says that, but in this story he says you are set free from your ailment. For Jesus... The Sabbath was about liberation. For all the Jews, the Sabbath was about liberation. It's what Jesus would have heard as a boy. It's what he's been taught all the way through his life. And so here's a moment of liberation. But the leader of the synagogue, it's not the right time. There are six days to come and get healed. We've got plenty of time for that. This isn't the right time. And don't we hear that over and over again? Didn't we hear the last election, the Labour Party saying, it's not the right time to increase the New Start allowance. We should review it. Over and over. How many times, if you read the history of the, the women getting the vote in, in Australia, and I read quite a bit of it in the United States. I lived near um, a place called Seneca Falls for a while, which was the centre of the women's um, march for, um, for the vote. 
And over and over again, men would get up and say, or write, would say, of course women should receive the vote. It's obvious. But we have to choose the right time. And it's not now. The, you know, things aren't aligned correctly. There will come a time. <laughs> of course there will. One day, it's not the right time. But for Jesus, now is the right time. It's the Sabbath, for goodness sake. What other time could be as right as this? And as we learn in Genesis, God rests on the seventh day of creation. The Sabbath is about grace and rest. It's about the moment of recreation. When we say recreation, we mean recreation. We're recreating ourselves. When you take a break and you sit down and be by yourself, you can reorder yourself. You can find yourself again. Where you can literally, as people often talk, pull yourself together. Because we seem so scattered. What a great experience we've got. Right at the heart of this story is rest. Jesus wants this woman to rest. Rest in standing up straight and being who she is. Reordering herself, pulling herself together. All the work that the Jews keep talking about is the Sabbath. It's the work that God has already done. And so we're reliving it. So, so the, the Sabbath is about reliving the work of God. It should be the most joyous day of the week. We kind of tried to carry that through, the Christian church. We've, for many years, there's been lots of places where you couldn't shop on the weekend, on, certainly on the, on the Sunday that we've taken as, as, as our version of the Sabbath. I visited the island of Tonga, and it's a very Christianized country. You can't do anything on Sunday in regards to commercial. No, no shops are open, nothing's going on. People are just at home with their families. Now, we would go nuts if we did that here. Now, we've lost that. But what a wonderful idea. Jesus wants this woman to rest and to be at home in herself. He wants her to rest in her true nature. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's not just another person getting in the way. She's not just somebody. She's somebody. She's of importance. She's of value. But the synagogue leader, he says, well, there are six days in which work, work ought to be done. For him, everything is work. We see people like this all the time. It's all about work. I fall into this trap frequently. I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, right, let me look at my diary. What have I got to do today? It's just one drudge after the other. And I can do that for two or three days, but if I keep doing it for four or five days, eventually my entire life just becomes about the task that must be done. If you take a break one day a week, you have to reorientate your life. Life is not reduced to duty. There's this horrible reading in the, in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus accuses the scribes and the Pharisees again of hypocrisy. He says, You tithe mint, dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Tithing is 10%. You get your... your you get this is, The story is you get your herbs and you divide them into tenths. 
and move at 10% to the side. Can you imagine the kind of mean-spiritedness that is required to be focused on that, making sure that is right? Sometimes wonder whether in institutions we're so concerned about the way the world is going that it's much easier to focus on the small things. Just get focused on that for now because we can do something about that. It's a terrible indictment on these people that they were, they're using their intellect, their brain, their gift of God to focus on something so mean and tiny, missing the great things that are happening. The great wonderful things that are happening and the great terrible things that are happening. You know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge in Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And there's no one like Dickens for describing a character. Just the names of his character. Mr. Gradgrind and Scrooge. They're all great. This is what he says about Scrooge. There's whole heaps of it, but... Oh, he was a tight fist, fisted hand at the grindstone. Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire. Secret, self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The Sabbath is about goodness. When God created the earth, every time he did something, God said, it is good. And at the end of the six days, God said, it is good, it is very good. Jesus' Sabbath, he wants to make it very good for this woman. He sets her free. The leader of the synagogue can't live in that goodness. He blames the woman for coming. On a Sabbath. He blames somebody who is sick and ill. Our governments do this all the time. Blame the victim. The refugees who struggle to get here either by plane or by boat, doing horrendous, going through horrendous things to get here, and our government blames them. If you can't get a job, it's your own fault. There's plenty of jobs out there. You get a go if you have a go. That's what, that's what governments seems to have been reduced to in our country. He blames the woman. And he doesn't even talk directly to her or to, to Jesus. He bitches on the side to the crowd. He kept saying to the crowd, there are six days in which you ought to come to work, uh, to, to work ought to be done. Don't come on, come on those days and be good. Not on the Sabbath day. He kept saying it over and over. Not to Jesus. Not even to the woman. He blames the woman, but he says it to the crowd. This is, the, this is a, an ordinary grown man reduced to this sort of rubbish. He's not living in the Sabbath. Jesus is living in the Sabbath because he sees a woman who's in pain and he's struggling. It's the Sabbath. What better day for her to have joy, for her to be reordered, for her to be recreated? Maybe the opposite of goodness isn't badness, it's disappointment. The way we live, disappointed in ourselves and disappointed in other people. So that all of life becomes a disappointment. And yet we're invited each week, literally every week, we're invited in the Sabbath 
to celebrate goodness and grace, to celebrate rest and recreation, to celebrate liberation. And you can get away with it for a few weeks not doing that. You can. You you can go for a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months, ignoring that opportunity. But before long it becomes who you are to ignore that. And then something extraordinary happens. The opportunity for love and grace to happen and you, like a good synagogue leader, can miss it. Not because you're evil or hard-hearted, but because you're so drawn into it that you, you can't see it anymore. Jesus sees it. The moment happens of liberation, grace and freedom. And it can happen every seven days. Every seven days. So be it.